<laughs> Quick, let's record while this stuff's still working. No more technical problems, please. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about books that we've recommended to each other. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share books that we recommended to each other. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media or both. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I am super excited <laughs> to dive into these um, recommendations. It, it has been a journey and it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's going to be pretty fun to talk about. Literally a journey. That was like my initial thought. I'm like, it has taken us a, a couple months to get to the point of actually recording this episode. I think we first suggested to each other that we wanted to recommend books for the other person to read November, December. So it's been like a really, it's been a while. And as much as we talk to each other about books, it has been surprisingly harder than I thought, which we'll mm-hmm. get into later. But right. I'm excited to see how things ended up. And it gave me a little insight into why other people tell me that I'm so hard to recommend books to <laughs> because yeah. it's hard. It, mm-hmm. it is hard to recommend books to people, especially people who read a lot. And I, even though I know some of your book tastes, we kind of challenged each other to try a couple new things. And yeah. so we'll we'll be able to talk about whether those worked or not. Sounds good. Well, I will kick things off with My Loving Lately. And this one's simple. This is as we are entering in a new season. It's about to be spring. We're going to be outside more. So I wanted to bring my favorite sunscreen for my face. And this is by the brand Supergoop. And I'm positive a lot of people have heard of this at this point, but I have to share. It's my number one recommendation for sunscreen on your face, and it's the Super Goop Unseen Sunscreen. What I like about it, it is totally clear and goes on more like a primer, like a makeup primer than a sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And it's SPF 40. And this is the one I use every single day. And it's a chemical sunscreen, so there's no white cast to it. It's literally totally clear. My big thing is if sunscreen gets in my eyes, my day is over. Like I'm talking, (laughs) I have had a friend of mine make like a makeshift eye wash station at the Cubs game because I got sunscreen in my eye and I couldn't stop talking about it. (laughs) So it's very important to me that that the sunscreen I choose doesn't irritate me. So not that I like try to get it in my eyes, but you're sweating and it's hot out, whatever. This one doesn't do that to me. I find it's really gentle. It still gives you good protection. And best of all, I just use my FSA card to grab a couple of tubes. So that's like your flexible oh. spending account through yeah. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
Love it. Love the entire brand, but I'm specifically recommending the Unseen Sunscreen. I also like that it doesn't smell like sunscreen. You know, that like Mm -hmm. coconut, uh, by the pool kind of smell. This one is basically unscented. It has a tiny scent to it, but it's very subtle and it doesn't bother me at all. It like, it goes away pretty quickly. For my body, I use Super Goop Play, which is also a favorite, but for the face, definitely wanted to mention the Super Goop Unseen Sunscreen. Oh, good. Okay. I'm going to obviously make note of that because I do, does your um, tinted moisturizer have sunscreen in it? No, not the Tarte one that I bring. Oh, but okay. I always, even if it has some sunscreen in it, that's not enough for me. I'm right. Like, I, I know. On. Especially if I'm outside walking, I always have a hat on. So I'm have yeah. become very vigilant in my later years <laughs> with sunscreen. <laughs> Same. Yes, we have to. We have as we to. Get, I mean, we should at all times, but especially as you get older, I also wear a hat. And But anyway, I'm going to try this. <laughs> okay. My loving lately, I think you're going to be interested in. Okay. I think a lot of people are, actually. I'm bringing something book-related, and that is a website called makeuseof.com. And what's on this website are 11 best sites for finding books to read next. Okay. So obviously of those 11 sites that this website gives you, Goodreads was one. You know, I, I had heard of a couple, but there are many I had not heard of. And so I decided to play around with one particular site called Witch Book. And it's a site that offers up suggestions based on specific characteristics rather than similar books. Mm -hmm. So you can make your choices based on the mood of the book. You can use a series of sliders like happy to sad, funny to serious, safe to disturbing, and so on. Now, here's what I really liked. You can also opt for making your selections based on other specifics like character or plot, world settings, or books based on bestsellers. So Mm -hmm. I decided to play around with world settings. And so I click, click, clicked, ended up landing on Spain because I want to read more books from Spain. I have no, don't ask me why. I just, I do. (laughs) So what it, so you click on, on wherever you want and it brings up tons of book covers Then you can click on the cover and it tells you a synopsis and it also gives you where you can buy it. And then it'll give you scales, like a violence scale, a sexual content scale. So whatever the themes of that book uh, might be, you can get a scale. And then it also at the bottom gives you parallels, book parallels, which are basically book comparisons. So what else might this book be similar to. Mm. Oh my gosh. Talk about a rabbit hole of like books. And I, I mean, I probably spent 40 minutes and I mean, I, you could just unlimited time. I can't wait to go back to it. So this particular site was called witch book. I will link to everything. And then the actual entire website is called makeuseof.com. That is so fun. It's kind of like a library, right? But a way more advanced search function where you're like looking right. at the covers. What book did you get? Did you did you get a recommendation? Yes, I did. <laughs> now you're gonna have to wait while I look. <laughs> do you want to tell us or no? <laughs> I do, but I didn't. I didn't write it down. 
hold on, stay tuned, hold on. Okay, the book that caught my eye and what I am going to look at a little closer is called The Infatuations by Javier Maras. I hope I pronounced that right because this is very spur of the moment. But here's why it caught my eye. Um, It's a critically acclaimed novel. He's a Spanish writer. It's being compared to a Gone Girl-esque type story. And you know, you know, I will all, like we talked about before, I'll I'll always be pulled into that. It was published in 2014. That I'm going to be checking into. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. You'll have to let me know either way. (laughs) I will. I will. Yeah. If if it's something that I end up getting, um, then it will make its way back to the show eventually. I do think I would have to buy that though. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. Now we know, you know, thanks to Claire, we know lots of places we can get books in Europe and and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let me tell you about my latest read. My latest read was Booth by Karen Joy Fowler. And I have to tell you, I have no idea what made me prioritize this. (laughs) I have no clue. Other than I grabbed it from Book of the Month as one of my add-ons. And I'm so surprised to say that I loved it. I was not expecting it. So I had the print copy. I also had access to an audio. And so I alternated between both. It's like 400-something pages. I finished yeah, this in the weekend. Yeah, I thought it was thick. It was okay. very, not propulsive in like a thriller sense, but man, once you got going, you were I was in it. So it's about the Booth family and the lead up to the infamous assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. So John Wilkes Booth is one of the, the brothers that as a part of the Booth family. I knew next to nothing about him going into it. And I will say this book isn't really just about John Wilkes Booth. This is about his family, their work and their hardships, and really an examination of what happens to a family when one of their members commits a notorious crime. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know is that Booth came from a very famous family of theater actors He was one of 10 children. Like, their dad was famous. Three of the brothers were actors. He was an actor, which is how he was able to get into the theater. People are like, oh, it's John Wilkes. Like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, people had recognized him. I had no idea. So throughout the book, we get to know each of the siblings in the years leading up to the Civil War. It starts with their father, Junius Booth, who was a famous Shakespearean actor, who was very complicated. He had a drinking problem, and he left London under suspicious circumstances. And we find out why. We also meet their mother, Mary. She is keeping things together with the children and their farm as Junius travels around the world acting. So she's by herself a lot. They have a lot of kids, and she loses, unfortunately. And when some of their kids are very, very young, she loses four of the 10 children. And each of the section kind of focuses on one of the siblings, but it's very seamless how it moves throughout. We find out about the brothers who also follow in their father's footsteps with acting, the sisters, kind of the competition between them, and expectations of men versus women during that time. By and large, this family is not political. But John Wilkes, he was running with gangs when he was a little bit younger. He was kind of a ruffian, if you will. As he comes into adulthood, we see that he hates what Lincoln stood for, and he is a defender of slavery, which is why, obviously, he hates Lincoln. But in between the sections about the Booth family, we get little interstitials, like short chapters, summarizing Lincoln's life, career, his speeches, his influence, and 
I thought it was so fascinating. This book was one of those that had me Googling all the time to see what was true, what wasn't true, what the family looked like, Lincoln. Like I was like Googling all the time, which I love when a book makes me so Mm -hmm. interested in something. I, I would have said, no, I'm not interested in that. But turns out I really was. You know, I like to give a book vibe, which kind of sounds like that website you were just talking about. But if I were to give a book vibe, like a comparison, mm-hmm. this gave me the vibe of the book Betty by Tiffany McDaniel, but with far less abuse. So think of that. That was kind of okay. the, the, the feeling. You can tell the author did a ton of research and she talks about her epilogue that she was inspired by a lot of what's going on in our world today. That's sort of what kicked things off for her. I listened to this by and large and thought the narrator, January Lavoie, was excellent. So I highly recommend this in print and however you can get it. We're on audio. And this book was Booth by Karen Joy Fowler. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I have seen that popping up on Instagram here and there, but I wasn't sure that it was anything I was interested in, like you said. But yeah, it was one of those, you know how it goes. You just pick things up Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I really like it. I actually learned something about myself in terms of historical fiction. I don't like all historical fiction, but I really like this this time period in the United States, kind of the mid to late 1800s. I don't I don't know why it's the, oh, the frontier oh, age. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I quite like learning about this era and I'm like, all right, I can find more books set in this time frame. I bet I would like them. Okay, good. All right. Well, my latest read is a fairly new release. It's What Happened to the Bennetts by Lisa Scottolini. And I also, I listened to this entirely. Um, The audio is great. And this is definitely a thriller. It is action-packed. And it's about Jason Bennett, who's a suburban dad. And he owns a court reporting business, which that was really interesting. It's very specific, but also ties in really, in really interesting ways with the story. One night, he and his family... He has a a wife, a daughter, and a son, and they're driving home after the daughter's lacrosse game. So very normal family activities. Mm -hmm. Opening scene right away. All of a sudden, a truck starts tailgating them. It's a dark road, you know, pitch black. The truck kind of makes them pull off the road. Two men jump from the pickup. They pull guns on Jason. It's carjacking. They demand the car. And in the meantime, a gunshot goes off and tragedy ensues. So that is the initial setup. It is pulse pounding. From there, you have Jason and his family receive a visit from the FBI. The agents tell them that the carjackers were members of a dangerous drug trafficking organization and that that they all have to go into witness protection immediately. They have no choice but to agree. The program is ready for them, and off they go. And it's very, very fast pace. However, once things start to roll, Jason learns that there's a shocking truth about something that rocks his world on top of what has already rocked his world. And he realizes that he may have to take matters into his own hands. So this was a wow thriller. Like this was a bingeable, bingeable thriller. I will say, okay, 
So the like I said, the audio was great. I do I think this would play perfectly fine in print as well. I love when you don't need backstory here. It doesn't matter. Do you know, you start mm-hmm. off, it's action, you go. You don't worry about who are <laughs> these people. I mean, you get backstory here and there. You know they're a you know they're a suburban family, you know that they are privileged and you get snippets here and there, but this is a straight thriller. And I do love, I'm fascinated by the witness protection program Mm -hmm. and how that works. And what she does so well is takes a normal family, like a normal regular family. And what happens when you're trying to grapple with tragedy and then all of a sudden you have to leave your life immediately. You can't even tell anyone where you're going. Nothing, no details. What would it be like if you were somebody that knew a family that went into the witness protection program. They just left. You know, they're just gone right. now. Well, I know. And and so it, uh, it it's really, really good. And you're with this family the whole way. Here's what happened. <laughs> did you feel a, oh, no. did you feel a twist? No, <laughs> I feel was a in twist it. I was like, yes, baby. Okay. Two good recommendations. Oh no, here we go. Yes. No, this is a good it's still a good recommendation. Okay, okay, okay. Something shifted. And I don't, I don't know exactly when. You know how you're into something, you're yes. into something. Yes. Hours go by, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait a minute, uh, this I'm, I'm like I'm aware of the fact that I'm suspending disbelief here and there, and that's fine. But this kind of veered into territory that was like a little." too nutty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, t- okay. So I was talking with one of our patrons, Kelly, I'll, and I'll link to her. She does a ton of book reviews and she, she just, I'm, I have to say how she described this because it's exactly right. This went into a Liam Neeson movie territory. So mm-hmm. if you, you know how Liam Neeson is, he's like the dad, you know, the dad that just won't stop. And yeah. it becomes, it almost becomes like you're wondering, like, wait a minute, how does he, at his age and and <laughs> what's going on, how is he possibly doing all of this? And that's kind of what happened here, okay. and not an age thing, but a wait, you're a regular, you're a regular guy, and the paths and the roads that he ended up going down became a little, a little unbelievable, too mm-hmm. much. And then something else happened with the characterization with one of uh, the family members. And it didn't make sense to me. It seemed it seemed too convenient for the plot. And so, I mean, I may be sounding very, very picky, but, and I want to talk about this later in book talk, but it's it started off at, at five-star level. And then, you know, it, it decreased. And I probably settled on about a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Which is still really, really good. And like I said, I want to dive into this with you a little more later. But from where it started to where it ended, I wish it would have been more. So that was what happened to the Bennetts by Lisa Scottolini. Oh, I'm glad you brought that. That's my. I get that feeling too, where a book starts off so solid, and I'm like, please stick the landing. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, mm-hmm. like let's you know give us a resolution that works. Let it make sense because, and we'll we can even kind of transition now, but. I think for me as a reader, a ending that doesn't make sense, completely out of nowhere, if the ending isn't strong, it's kind of almost, 
not ruins, but it really brings down the entire reading experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have another another one of those that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So so that okay, so we can answer this right now. I think we both feel the same way. I didn't know this about myself as much until mm-hmm. both of these books. I prefer I would I would prefer a a um like a solid amazing last 50% that wows me and and makes me finish the book and and be like, oh, wow, that went in a completely different direction from where I started it, where I was maybe at a three to a 3.5 star rating, like, uh, this -hmm. book is, you know, okay. But then something happened that shifted it. And then the rest of the book was incredible versus having that happen in the beginning and then finishing it with a, oh, all right, well, Right. It wasn't it. it I'm you know what you. I mean? I'm absolutely you, with you. I would much rather a build up, mm-hmm. lay the players, lay the foundation, keep me engaged. Right. Cause I know we're, you know, many of us are such fickle beings right. and like, if it's not grabbing <laughs> us fairly right away, we're going to move on. But like, you know, giving us enough in like setting the scene, building things up and then like, okay, wow, it's coming together. And for me, I don't need it to be this, you know, out of total surprise, total twist, you know, whatever, like Mm -hmm. something outrageous Mm -hmm. I wasn't predicting. I don't mind if I can predict the ending as long as it makes sense, as long as it comes full circle. I'm not left with a ton of questions. Like that is Mm -hmm. for me, I'm with you, something that's really going to get me. If a book starts out super strong and then falls off a cliff, that's almost more disappointing. It is more disappointing because you're so into it. You're like, yes, I found one. Like, because, you know, of course, we're always chasing that, you know, five-star high and when you think you've got one and then lose it, you're like, man, it's almost worse. I would rather be surprised. Like, wow, I wasn't expecting this to be five stars. Kind of like Booth. I was not expecting it to be. I was so into that book and I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that ending, you know, it, it. I guess I'll go back. Don't go into that book thinking it's largely about the assassination. That's like 12 pages, maybe. (laughs) There's really not a, it's really, really much more about the family. So like, as an aside, if you were thinking about that, not about Lincoln very much at all, or even the assassination, much more about the family. But I was okay with that because that stuff grabbed me. Like it made, it, it it sucked me in because I got Mm -hmm. interested in the characters. Well, and and it also, I mean, even hearing us talk, I feel like, oh gosh, maybe we're being too fickle. Mm -hmm. And, but because we also want we want to be pulled in, right? Yeah. And that's what that, I mean, she did. She pulled, I mean, what an amazing, I mean, opening scene. If you read that opening scene, you will you will not want to put that book right. down. Yeah. I mean, it would be very hard. It's very hard to put that book down. And I don't know. I, I just, I wanted more mm-hmm. from the ending. Well, I think this will lead us right nicely into book talk because you said yeah. we're kind of fickle readers. We ask a lot and, and I'm sure we're not alone in this. We got this idea a while back and thought, oh, it would be so fun to recommend books for each other. Because I don't know about you, Renee, but sometimes when I'm looking at books for, you know, books on the radar or whatever, I'm like, oh, this is a Renee, not a Tina, definitely mm-hmm. a Renee book. And so I had started <laughs> to make, you know, earmarks of those types of books. So I did a lot of research about it. I had so much fun trying to find books that I thought you would love. We'll talk about whether or not that worked, (laughs) but (laughs) I, in my brain for you, was thinking, okay, maybe something with the serial killer, maybe something with the cartel. If you want to go in the opposite direction, something about in another life, a bittersweet Mm -hmm. story. Like those were the things that I was thinking like I had in my mind when I was looking for you. What about when you were thinking about books for me? Well, 
Yeah. For you, I was thinking two parts. One, I wanted to try to challenge you with a police procedural Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I know that it's not something that you would ever pick up on your own. And I wanted to see if I could pick one for you that you may actually like. And not that you will even, you would even, if you did continue with the series, I just wanted to try to do that. And then the others for you, I, I know that you, you like sometimes dystopian, sometimes character, character driven, different, you like different worlds, but not like me, like not in another life, but also (laughs) in this world, but (laughs) was right in this world, but, or the, maybe a little futuristic world Mm -hmm. or, and you like, and you like conflict with your characters. And so that's what I had in mind when I was thinking of what I could recommend to you. Now, I don't, anything you recommended to me, you hadn't read anything. Correct. I had not read any of the three initial books that I recommended for you. And you had only read one. Right. I read one. So we were kind of going in also not knowing anything about these except for my one, except for what we read in the synopsis. Exactly. And then what we did in one of our Patreon bonus episodes, we revealed the three titles we each picked for each other. And that was part of the fun was finding these. Mm-hmm. And I will say for you, I picked The Dime by Kathleen Kent, The Versions of Us by Laura Bennett, and The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang. Now, Renee, are you sharing any of these books today? As as <laughs> as DNFs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I already knew that. We do know what worked and what didn't, but I don't know how you felt about the final two that you ended right. up picking. But I, de- I definitely... Gave two of them, one of them a real a real go, the other one yeah. somewhat, and and I'm definitely going to tell you why. Okay. And then, so a little behind the scenes for everyone, I did say to I did say to you, I need something else that's mm-hmm. similar to yep. the versions of us. And so you did give me one, and that one I'm going to be bringing. Perfect. So we got there in the end, but our initial three weren't necessarily hits. Now. Which ones did you bring for me? For you, I suggested Tell the Wolves I'm Home by Carol Rifka Brunt and American War by Omar L. Akkad. And Now You See Me by Sharon Bolton, which is book one of her Lacey Flint series. And are you bringing any of those today? I'm bringing one of the three, but I will tell you, I did try all of them. I DNF two of the three, (laughs) and I will tell you what I thought about the one. And you actually already know. And so we ended up picking another one that we both kind of mutually had on our list, but it fell more a little bit into Tina's wheelhouse, my wheelhouse, than I think Renee's. So I went with that one instead. So on our Patreon, we we actually, Renee and I, I think at this point don't mind DNFing books because it gives us an opportunity to share them in our DNF episode. So in our Patreon, our patrons every other month get about, just about every other month, get a DNF episode where we share all of the books that we DNF'd and why and what didn't mm-hmm. work and why they didn't work. Because I think, okay, if you say I DNF'd a book, that doesn't give us a ton of info, but I want to know why. Like, why didn't it work? And for me, I I tend to give books a pretty wide berth. I read something recently in our Facebook group about the 50-page rule. Jan had shared this with us where 
basically give it 50 pages. And then the older you get, subtract your age from, you know, 100. And because mm-hmm. basically time, of course, is finite and we don't have all the time in the world. And it's a, it's a huge resource. And so if you're not enjoying something, giving yourself a permission to stop reading it, it makes sense in theory. I like having like a hard stop because I'm like, okay, 50 pages. Am I in it? That it forces me to really reevaluate. I wish I would have done that with one of these books because one of them I got 50% in and then finally was like, oh, I'm calling yeah. it. I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the same. I, I actually was way past, well, not way. I don't know because it was audio, but I was past the 50% when I said, oh man, I, I don't think I can continue. But, you know, we do like talking about DNFs because still, I'm still listening. When people talk about their DNFs, I'm still listening for what wor- what didn't work for them. If I hear my buzzwords or if I hear a theme or a, a plot synopsis that sounds like what I would like, I'm still going to try that book. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if someone else didn't finish it and it doesn't matter if what I'm if what we're talking about today, just because we didn't finish it, it, it still may be the right book for anyone listening. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. let's share a little bit about the ones that did not work for us. Okay. Um, I will start, and and I am beyond in the minority for this. <laughs> and I, I'm almost sad to like even admit it, but I did not finish Tell the Wolves I'm Home. And people love this book. I know that I'm in the minority, and I know why it didn't work for me. I cannot sit in a young character's mind for that mm-hmm. long if it is if it feels like a young character. I'm absolutely glad that these books exist. I love the setup of this book, and I love that so many people connected with it. I just couldn't. And honestly, I will say I I knew almost immediately. Um, Our our protagonist is June, and she's 14 years old. And I love she has such a close relationship with her uncle. And sadly, he passed away of AIDS. It's in Mm -hmm. the 1980s. And she basically is grieving his death and learns to process this by a friendship with somebody um, that he was close to. I love it in theory, and and this actually is the second time I DNF'd it because I really want to read it. But I'm, it's okay to DNF books that are good books if they're not for you. It's okay. Like mm-hmm. I, I say, I want to read it because I know so many people loved it. I'm probably going to get tomatoes thrown at me for saying <laughs> that I DNF'd it. But this is more of a me not loving coming of age that much, especially from teenage girls. Like it's just okay. not something in my in this phase in my life that I'm connecting with. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah, I had this I on had my complain. TBR. And I know. I was, mm-hmm. And so I I really didn't know much about it because, yeah, it was pretty backlist. So I, I still may try it. I don't mind coming of age, mm-hmm. and especially if it's a really strong protagonist. Yeah. So that still might work for me, Which but I, I can totally is. see your points. And though, I will say it's set in the 80s, so you you might like oh, that. Yeah. Pre-cell yeah, phone yeah. era. That doesn't mm-hmm. do it for me, but I know that's something for you. So maybe maybe try this and redeem it for, for us. <laughs> okay. I, I, I still might do that. All right. My first one that you suggested is The Dime by Kathleen Kent. This was a perfect wreck on paper. And I had never heard of this book. This was an Edgar Award nominee for Best First Novel in 2018. It's about a female detective who is from Brooklyn, but she is is in Dallas. So she has moved to Dallas, and her name is Betty. She's very much a take-no-prisoners type of Brooklyn detective, 
And she gets involved in a case involving Mexican drug cartels, cult leaders, and it gets kind of wrapped up in also like in her personal life, kind of there's a whole like higher level Dallas society that she has to, you know, kind of grapple with. She's very, very tough. She's very smart. I I really liked her. It's such a great pick because all of those are in my wheelhouse. Like all of the, everything about it. And what I really liked that I didn't know about, Betty's partner is a woman. And I loved having the perspective. I don't know that I have read many detective stories where you have a lesbian detective Mm -hmm. and she has to grapple with so, not only is she a woman, but she's a lesbian. So she's getting double really bad treatment from so many people within the Dallas police department, within her community. And she, I loved, I really, really loved Betty and I loved her partner. I, and here's where this went wrong for me though. It boils down to the writing Mm -hmm. and not necessarily, well, actually kind of the case because even by the 50%, Mark, I wasn't even really sure exactly what the mystery was. <laughs> and I kept <laughs> I like, kept thinking, wait, did I miss did I miss something? And and no, I, I ended up going back and um reading some Goodreads reviews and that actually was was what led me to say, you know, I'm not alone in how I'm feeling. But yeah, the mystery to me, I want the mystery sooner, number one. Like I need to be invested in the mystery, but also the amount of racial stereotyping of de- of Mexican people, especially not, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just them, but a lot of racial stereotyping going on, a lot of homophobic and anti-woman comments on the part oh. of the people in Texas and within the Dallas Police Department. I know nothing about the Dallas Police Department. I mean- so I don't know is she right is she writing from a place of that that's true but it was so constant and so mm-hmm. rampant I was just like this is too much at what point does an author decide that writing scenes and dialogue with so much of the racial and homophobic slurs when does it cross a line of being yes there might be there is people who talk about who talk like that to your perpetu- you're perpetuating these stereotypes mm-hmm. and these and you are not forwarding the story any by repeatedly yeah do you know what i mean 100% yeah that will absolutely take me out of a book that's actually quite honestly why i don't always love police procedurals because sometimes it feels like they're very the police themselves are very one note very one dimensional mm-hmm. And it's it and specifically to female detectives I've seen or female police officers where, you know, and I can't even like give you an example, but that's what takes me out of it. I'm like, okay, there's no nuance there. It's just all playing into stereotypes. It's all just kind of, you know, and I think you're right. If someone is writing from a perspective of they are an officer or they that's their experience, that's mm-hmm. their lived experience. And maybe this author is, we don't know. So I'm glad you DNF'd it. Cause like, <laughs> what's the, you know, it kind of, Obviously, we didn't know that going into it, but it sounds like that part was enough to make yeah. it stand out in a bad way. 
Right. It was. All right. Yeah. So what's the next one for you? All right. Moving on to mine that I listened to, I, I got 50% of the way through this. It was American War by Omar al And I should have listened to my new 50-page rule because, although I don't know if it would have worked in this case, because I really liked the beginning of this. The middle, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're here. So basically, you have a civil war that has broken out, and it's over the use of fossil fuels. That's what they're fighting about. And so this family relocates from southern Louisiana to some of these camps. And I really like the idea of that. I I also found it, I will say, a little bit hard to read with everything that's going on in today's world. Like, it was very much, I was reading this right as everything in Ukraine started happening, and it it was a struggle, right? And Mm -hmm. it should have worked for me. It was well-written. It's dystopian. There's a climate disaster, and it all makes sense that it would work for me. And I'm still not 100% sure that I won't come back to it. But I'm telling you, it took me two weeks to get halfway through. And I was like like dreading. I'm like, oh, here we go. So you've got this young girl, and basically she gets called in to this man who infiltrates the camp who has a lot of power and he's having her run some of his errands. And I'm not sure why. We're not exactly positive what's going on. And maybe it's coming, but for me, it was really bumming me out. It made me not want to read. And I I feel like when you're in that space, like that's a sign, okay, this isn't the right book at the right time for you. I definitely would read this author again because I think he is talented. It's just this one was not one that really I could get through. So that Mm -hmm. was American War. Well, what else didn't work for you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I'm really bummed about this one, actually. It's The Versions of Us by Laura Barnett. And man, another on paper perfect wreck for me because it's about the question, what if you had said yes? So what if, what about the moment? So the moments that change everything. And it, it's a build as sl- one day meets sliding doors mm-hmm. and about if you've ever wondered what if. You know, I loved one day so much and you know, I love a what if story. So this was such Hello. a good wreck for me. I know, I, I know. Like, come on. And you hadn't and heard again, of it, I believe. I had never heard of it. No, I don't think I had heard of it. And it's not, I mean, it is kind of a, a very simple setup. You have a man, he's walking down a country lane. You have a woman, she's on her bike, cycling towards him. She swerves to avoid a dog. And at that moment, their future changes. So this story is about the three possible outcomes, three small decisions that could determine the rest of their life. And so you do get three versions of what could have been. Mm -hmm. And the problem that I had was these versions alternate back and forth. It continually and quickly, and I say quickly, not in a pace format, but just in in the way the chapters were set up format, it, it jumped back and forth between the three And it felt very disjointed. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get into the flow of any of them. And also, each each one was pretty boring to me. (laughs) So you're like, "Uh I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find my footing. So none of the three futures were really that interesting. No. (laughs) I couldn't find my footing with any of them. And I I probably gave it, I don't know, 10 to 15%. Um, This one I tried on audio. So now that it just didn't work for me. And another 
it's the it was the execution and I think the writing style gotcha. and maybe had the the versions been a little more exciting it might have worked <laughs> for me but that was the versions of us by Laura Barnett okay <laughs> well good I'm glad you I'm glad you tried it obviously and and there's nothing wrong with the nothing it sounded like it would be a good fit um and then your third one that just ended up being too long right that one the poppy war I didn't even yeah, I didn't even start it because mm-hmm. I pulled it up and the audio, I the audio was 19 and a half hours. Yeah. And even if I combined audio and print at the time, it would take uh, I was in I was in one of my like time is tight trying to get other like other reading done and I just couldn't tackle it. And that was the one I was least confident in. I'm still really about trying to find a fantasy book for you that I think would work. And I I did, mm-hmm. that one seems to be very highly rated. People love it, especially oh, on TikTok yeah. and stuff. So I was like, all right, yes. let me see if this could work. I thought the setting would work for you too. So maybe another, you know, try it down the line. I'm not ready to like fully give up on that one yet. <laughs> yes, I will say that one was the one I was like, eh, this is a wild card almost. Yes. Okay. Well, what did work? Okay. Well, well, Okay. <sighs> Well, here's one I finished. I don't know that I would say it worked super well, but I will tell you all about mm, it. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. This one's fake by Erica Katz. And again, this one is not one that was on our initial recommendation list, but I think you and I had both loosely had our eyes on it. And we both mm-hmm. enjoyed her last book, The Boys Club. So I went in, I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. It's about rich people problems. It's set in the art world. This is going to work. And what you have is Emma Khan, and she works as a forager. So she is this artist who specializes in 19th century paintings. And it sounds sketchy, but she's not a criminal. Her copies are commissioned by museums and by ultra-wealthy collectors protecting their investments. So what these folks do is they purchase these one-of-a-kind paintings, put them in storage, and display paintings from people who work as foragers. Because they want to protect them, you know, in case of fire, in case of this or that. So one day, a very rich and influential client invites Emma to work for him directly. Because she was working for this company that commissions these forgeries. And he basically comes and says, Emma, I want you to work for me just as my employee. And she sees this as her way out. Because she's kind of barely scraping by. And pretty quickly, she's placed in this world in a trendy art gallery. She's flying across the globe to attend art fairs. And she has a complicated past, but she sees all of this as her new start, even though she's still somewhat supporting her unstable mother. And okay, this should have worked because it had a ton of like rich people porn and exotic locations. (laughs) They're on a jet or not a jet, like a I don't know, I guess a jet, if it has rooms and many bathrooms. I don't know what they call that. But okay, it was mildly entertaining. And I was going along with it. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is fine. But why am I not like enjoying it? It was fine. Mm. My problem is I really disliked Emma. I thought she was so naive, so wide-eyed. And I wasn't buying the backstory that they added to get us to sympathize with her. Have you ever read a book where the character is supposedly shy, but like, amazing when she finally opens up or like we're supposed to believe she's so talented and like Mm -hmm. I was just like okay and so the billionaire brings her deeper and deeper into his world and she's just kind of like okay yeah yeah you know whatever and she does almost what he asks without question and she does a little bit of questioning but 
not that much. And so she also becomes <laughs> fixated on this guy she meets a couple times. Like, so she has this big crush, but nothing really comes from it. It's about social media. She, you know, had never been on Instagram before. And all of a sudden is starting, you know, she makes these friends and she's getting millions of followers. And I think my biggest problem was for a book about art forgery, I thought it was kind of boring. I thought it was boring. Oh. And I mm-hmm. liked the theme of being fake. Loved that idea of the juxtaposition between the art world, forgeries, and Instagram, and the persona that we put on for others. It still wasn't my favorite. I listened to it, and I do highly recommend the narrator, Andy Arndt. She did a great job. That was well done. Mm -hmm. The plot itself just wasn't for me, Um, and this book was called Fake by Erica Katz. Okay. It sounds like it it may have been a a case of, or and was it? Inconsistent characterization. What? How you were describing no, her? Like she was su- no. insufferable the whole time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, she wasn't insufferable. She was fine. She was fine, but like not a person that I wanted to spend three hundred fifty pages with. Oh, okay. If that makes yeah. sense. All right. Well, yeah. thanks yeah. for. I mean, you 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 vetted I, that one for a lot of us. I think I am in the minority. I know a lot of people thought this was right. pretty entertaining. So I, I'm surprised I didn't like this. It's not a thriller. I didn't think it was a thriller going into it. I was just kind of like, what's the point? What am I reading here? Like, what is, I don't know. It just, okay. there was something missing. Um, okay. I have one because I had needed something similar to the versions of us because I wanted to like that so much. And that mm-hmm. was such in my wheelhouse. So we came we came together, and this one was put on my radar. Mm-hmm. And it's called Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. And who, again, perfect for me in so many ways. This is about Thora and Santi, and they're strangers in a foreign city when a chance encounter intertwines their fate. At once, they recognize in each other a kindred spirit. Someone who is so curious, they both long for more in life than the cards they've been dealt. They both have such a strong fascination with space, and Thora is very into wanting to go into space. And they both are so fascinated with what if there's more out there? And then days after meeting, There's a tragic accident that cuts their story short, but this is only one of the many connections that they share. So as each story continues, Thora and Santi are destined to meet again as a teacher and a student, as a caretaker and a dying patient, as a cynic and a believer. And in numerous lives, they become friends, colleagues, lovers, and enemies. Ooh, okay. Now oh, is your my. I interesting mean, I this option. was yes, such an interesting setup. And okay, so you basically have many, many short stories. Each of these lives where they get to meet again as themselves, but as different ages and in in different jobs and everything, it felt like like reading several short stories. This way of telling the story took up the entire part one. When I say, I don't know if I've ever been more pulled into something that I just, I didn't know what to expect. And 
I loved it. And I messaged you and said, I love this book so much. I'm immediately buying it. And so many of the stories, and I want to say, uh, I want to say there's at least six, maybe. They brought out so many emotions in me. And I was shocked by the fact that these are not long. They're, they're not long, but they are like mini short stories. The writing, the way she put sentences together, I was listening to this on audio and out walking. And I cried several times within the first 30 minutes. And I love to cry. And so I just loved it. If you like writing that makes you think and makes you stop and makes you want to highlight and makes you want to write quotes down, you will definitely want to do that with this story. And I really actually went into it not knowing how the story progressed outside of what I just told you about the synopsis. And it turns out that there are three parts to this story. And once part one ended, part two began with a t- almost a completely different vibe. And you know, you know, me, I'm like buzzing, like I love this book so much. And so, and then part two comes, Uh-oh. and I'm and I'm going and I'm going and I'm like, okay, I I see what's going on, but here's but what was happening was basically Groundhog Day. It was the same story. Oh no, only from a slightly different maybe perspective. And the further I I got on, I kept thinking, oh man, I've, but we've already know this. I already know this. I want more of what I had in the beginning. And I guess I thought that the entire book was going to be like that, where maybe we, maybe she kept building on each of the lives from the part one, but that's not what happened. Do you know what I mean? Like part Mm -hmm. one ended and part two was a repetition, it felt like. And then part three, I honestly could not tell you what I was reading. I became so lost and confused. What, <laughs> what a journey. Telling, it's like I it, it was it was a journey. It was a it was I in my mind I was like this is like walking up a hill, getting to the top. It's like a and then falling off of a very large cliff because by the third part I was I was like I don't even know what I'm reading anymore. I have no idea and I was I don't like to feel that confused and I'll tell you by the end, I was like, okay, well, that was not, <laughs> it did oh, not no. end up being for me. Only, did you buy like, it? The la- no, I didn't okay. end up buying it. Okay. I, I was going to say, glad you I, cancel that order. <laughs> I'm almost still tempted to go to the library and get it so that I can go take down so many of those, of the quotes and the sentences from part one. I yeah. really, really want those. I, w- I would like to refer back to those actually, but here's what I will say. I think part three was based a lot on quantum theory, which oh. I have no knowledge of. I have no interest of. If you do, then this might be the book for you. And also it was compared quite a lot to The Time Traveler's Wife, which I haven't read. So maybe maybe if you have and if you like stories that take on so many different aspects, then then this still could be for you. But that was Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. Okay. All right. Well, that was a journey. I mean, really, I'm I'm feeling it was a journey. I'm kind of laughing at us because I'm like, well, <laughs> well, lots of books that didn't super nail it for us. However, I think we'll end up maybe 
with at least We are going to end. Good. We're going to end on I, a high I note. I know. I'm definitely going to end on high note. Are you? Well, Renee. <laughs> well, Renee. <laughs> let me tell you what we're going to end on. My okay. second book was Now You See Me by Sharon Bolton. You wanted me to read The Queen, and I was nervous. Mm-hmm. But I thought, all right, I'm going to try was it. I'm going to try it because big risk, big reward. If I like this, this is a major deal because you guys know I don't read police procedurals. I don't read series, and this is both. Mm-hmm. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I loved it. I loved Yay! it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. I loved it so much, Renee. I went to friggin' Blackwell's and bought f- all four books. No joke. Oh, if anyone could see my face, I'm shocked. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. All four and books. so, so happy. Yes. I went to Blackwell's online. I, I wasn't even done with it. I will tell you what part offline that got me, that I was like, mm, this woman can write. I'm in it. I'm in it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm like yelling and Lily's trying to nap. Okay. This book is about Lacey Flint. She's a young detective with a questionable past. And one night as she's leaving from interviewing somebody, she literally stumbles onto a woman who has been brutally stabbed just moments before. Everyone's asking her, like, how did you not see anything? What do you mean? You don't know who did it. She's covered in blood. It's right by her car. And they're having trouble believing that the killer got away so easily. Shortly thereafter, a reporter receives an anonymous letter that points out the alarming similarities between this murder and Jack the Ripper's first murder. And this letter calls out Lacey by name. So the police have to decide, is this real? Is this a hoax? And if it is real... Do they have a serial killer that's hell-bent on recreating London's bloody past? And if that's the case, they only have five days to figure things out. And they're also asking, why is this killer fixating on her? We, as readers, can tell. It's all from Lacey's point of view. And we, we can tell something's up with her. Something happened to her in her past. And she's like, look, I like, I'm in this job now and I'm determined to catch the killer myself because it sounds like she's a little bit afraid of what they'll find out about her if she doesn't take matters into her own hands. There is so much to like about this. First and foremost, folks, this is dark. (laughs) I thought Mm -hmm. Karen Slaughter was the queen of dark. Um, Excuse me. Sharon Bolton is giving her a run for her money for sure. Many triggers. However, This was a very captivating police procedural. I loved the setting. It's London. It's very, very, very London. And she took it to places that I was not expecting. She goes there. What I love about Sharon Bolton's writing is that she, and I've heard this so many times and I never knew what it meant until now. I've heard people say, I want the author to show me and not tell me. She is so good at showing the reader what is happening. What she does, she pulls you right into it. You are plunked right into the suspense with her. And then she'll hit you with a sentence like, wait, hold on, really? (laughs) I also love that we get a little bit of the character's backstory without it being too distracting, all about their trauma, Mm -hmm. all about their past. We're still in the moment and we, we get hints of what's happening. I also love how this is a full police force. It's not just like a lot of times when I see police procedurals, it's like one vigilante cop and like two other people that work there. I'm like, who, what is happening? This is a full force. <laughs> There's an entire crew with her. And, you know, I also am definitely interested in learning more about some of the other characters. I walked away ready to read more, namely Mark Jonesbury and the captain or whatever, Tulla is her name. I also loved learning more about the fascinating real story of Jack the Ripper. These are short chapters that really keep you in suspense. 
And when you do get a little flashback, it's like a few pages. So it doesn't take you out of the action. I can't say much else without giving away some fun reveals, but I have to say this gets my absolute highest rating. I loved it. I'm so excited and I can't wait for the others to come in the mail. I'm going to get these nice little packages from the UK and I loved it so much. Thank you for bringing it. This was Now You See Me by Sharon Bolton. Oh, Oh my gosh, I can't stop smiling. Renee, the whole time I was like telling you about this, she was like leaning into the camera, just like staring. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, it was so good. I'm so happy. And like losing my marbles, like how good it was. I had such a strong suspicion that this could be for you, but then Mm -hmm. I didn't know because you know what? I I never ever thought I would hear you say, and it makes me so happy captivating police procedural. Yeah. Look, I didn't, think it, I didn't think it existed. <laughs> no, I did. I knew. <laughs> I know they're out there. I do know they're out there, but I don't want to read about a ton of tropes. I don't want to read cliched. And I thought these characters, man, she left us wanting more yet gave us a full, full story, which I'm like, okay. Oh, and the setting, right. you're in the London Zoo, you're in mm-hmm. the River Thames, you're underground. I mean, you can't ask for more no. than this. It was really good. One of my very favorite I read these back to back to back. When I discovered Sharon Bolton, um, this was the first book that I read from her. And then I went and read all of them. And then I went and read, you know, then I was kind of up to date. And then I went and read her standalones. But I knew as soon as I finished book four, I mean, the thing is, Lacey Flint is so complicated that if you, if that's what I was hoping that you would become invested in her possibly, and that might entice you to read the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought you would have been so like so into it that you would have bought the, all of them. But I think you will be very happy with the rest of the wait. series. And also, guess what? Hmm. Mark was one of my very first book boyfriends. <gasps> okay. Okay, Mark, I wasn't sure. One I of wasn't my first sure. book boyfriends. I wasn't sure how we um, felt about Mark, but I was. He's like, very I complicated. Like he's mm-hmm. very complicated. Yeah. So yes, and good news for you because finally, book five is coming, yes. and that's what I was talking about earlier. It's been eight years, I so I heard now's you. the time. If every if anyone out there thinks, okay, I want to try this series, man, now's the time because right. book five is coming. I know. Um, I'm going to pre-order it for sure because I wanted to match now the others I have. I hope the ones I ordered match. I think they do. Anyway, look, we're a part of the Sharon Bolton fan club, okay? And I, I'm not sorry. I'm really not. <laughs> She's really worth it, you guys. Like it, it was really, really good. I'm so <sighs> happy. Okay, I know. Gosh. I'm okay. I was happy to bring you, um, bring that little surprise. And you kept I was me trying on to be pins. elusive. Mm-hmm. You kept me on pins and needles. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> Okay. All right. What about you? Wrap it up for us. I'm going to end on a five-star, the most positive note. And you inspired me. I don't know if she's your favorite, but definitely at the top of your list of favorite audio narrators. And that's why I decided to go with, to try this one on audio. And that is The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. Yes. Narrated Mm -hmm. by By Saskia Marleveld. Saskia, I already thank knew. You. <laughs> yes, Saskia Marleveld. When you talked about her on last week's episode as one of your favorite female narrators, I mean, you raved, and then, She's good. Mm-hmm. and I was not even in—I was not even thinking that I was in the mood for historical fiction. But the Diamond Eye was one of my March book on the radar picks. 
books. And so because I was able to get the audio copy, and then I looked and saw who the narrator was, and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you inspired me to try to give this a go. And go oh my gosh, I cannot, I'm going to rave and I'm going to keep my rave short. But this is about Mila and she is actually, it's based on a true story. I'm just going to tell you that up front. She was known as Lady Death. And this takes place right at the time that Hitler invaded Russia, what what is now the Ukraine, actually. And so Mila is initially, in the beginning, she is very quiet. She works at a library. She's a history student. And that's what she wants to do. She wants to write her dissertation. She wants to go and she has a son. And at the time, he's five. And she's living a very happy, quiet life. She has friends. And the beginning actually does take place in what we know now and we're hearing all about, which is Kiev, and also in Odessa. And that's where she is with her friends on the beach, at a cafe, just enjoying the day when the air raid sirens start going mm. off. Now, back, let me circle back. Her son has a father that she does not get along with, and he is not a great influence. And he takes the son to a shooting range. And she doesn't know how to shoot. And so her her motivation before all of this actually happens is to get her marksman certificate. And so that's how she gets into shooting. But she she does that so that she can help be a father and a mother to her son and teach him how to shoot. And mm. and but when war breaks out, and and all I want to all I'm going to tell you because obviously it, it's part of the synopsis is she enlists, and oh my gosh, the story takes off. She does become known as Lady Death because of the number of kills that she has as a sniper. She's one of the world's first female snipers. Wow. I know we always say, at least you and I do, like, um, I don't know if I want another World War II story. And yeah. this is very much from a perspective, her perspective. And I was in it because of her mm-hmm. from start to finish. The writing, I've never read Kate Quinn before, but so visual, so atmospheric, so compelling that you are in the trenches with Mila. Then it does alternate a little bit in timelines because it goes forward initially like 14 months and she's in Washington, D.C. meeting the president and first lady, Eleanor Roosevelt. They strike up a really interesting friendship and, and also there's someone after Mila there with a very grand scheme of tying her up in something. I don't want to say what, but between both timelines, it didn't matter. I was equally invested in both. When I say this was riveting, this was riveting. And you know what What made it riveting, I will say, is, the, is yes, the writing, but the audio narration. Yeah. I felt like a movie a literal movie was running through my mind. If you would have told me that there was five or six different narrators for all of the different characters, I would have believed you. Mm -hmm. I forgot that there wasn't. It felt like all these different people telling me a story and amazing, absolute amazing 
audio narration. I could not stop listening. I even listened throughout the grocery store. So I, and I kept thinking, please don't let me see anyone that I know because I, and I can multitask in that way and still stay into the story and get my groceries at the oh, same time. Oh, that's the only way I grocery shop is with an audiobook. <laughs> I, I can only do that if the book is so compelling that it just mm-hmm. keeps me there. I mean, I cannot say enough about this story. If you can get the audio, if I if I've in any way, if you don't listen to audio, but if I have in any way been able to talk you into trying it, this comes out March 29th. Mm. Please try the audio. And then also listen to the author's note at the end, which was also really compelling. And and there's plenty of Googling to be done. I, de- oh, I mean, yeah. as far as Mila and her his, it was phenomenal. Just phenomenal. It's The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad we ended on a high note. That sounds really good. I read, I read her book, The Huntress, and same experience. I was like, oh, okay, this is narration. Like, she's just, that narrator is fantastic. Like, I'm I'm really glad you liked it. That's so fun. I'm really glad that we at least ended solidly. I always get kind of like, not nervous, but I'm like, I do think I like hearing about books that didn't quite work for people as well mm-hmm. as ones that they love. I think it builds credibility too. So we're not always like, it was amazing, five stars, everything right. we read. So, I'm, but I am right. glad. I do need at least one that we can say, yes, absolutely, this was great. I think this little experiment in the end worked for us. Even though, yeah. not, I mean, not every book was a winner and that's okay, but we each, I now have a, an audio narrator. I can go binge backlist and, and, a, and an author because I haven't read Kate Quinn. And I think I'm almost positive she narrates all of her books. I think so. so. Now, mm-hmm. And now you have Sharon Bolton Very and Lacey cool. Flint. True. So. Okay. This was a success. And now you know me. I'm a, I'm a competitor. And I'm like, great. For the rest of this year, I'm going to try and think of books and low-key find ones that I think would work for you and put them on a secret list so that when okay. we do this topic next year— I'll have ammunition because like I, you are picky, but not in a bad way. You're just specific. And I'm like, all right, let me yeah. nail this down. Let me figure out what's going to work for this reader. Okay. I like a challenge. <laughs> and I still love getting recommendations, even though. Right, right. It's yes, fun. I am. I am picky. I think we all are as readers. We We can be picky. And like you said, specific, but I love getting recommendations. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to send us all the recommendations. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, let's get into our shelf edition. Mine is different. It's nonfiction, which I haven't brought a nonfiction shelf edition in a while. This book is called Shadow Man, an elusive psycho killer and the birth of FBI profiling by Ron Franchelle. And apparently this is a largely unknown story. And this is the very first time the FBI created a criminal profile to catch a killer. So it takes place in 1973, and basically you have this seven-year-old girl who was stolen from her tent in a Montana campsite. Someone basically slid open the tent in the night and took her out from under the noses of her family. Nobody saw anything. Nobody heard anything. And the little girl was named Susie Yeager. Oh. J-A-E-G-E-R. Okay. And she vanished into thin air. And so this was what ensued was the largest manhunt in the state's history. And it was weeks. And they basically bring in the FBI from Quantico. And two agents came up with this radical new idea. What if criminals left a psychological trail that would lead us to them? And so these two individuals, Patrick Mullaney and Howard Titan, created 
a, a unit to explore this new voodoo that they're calling criminal profiling. <laughs> That's a direct quote from the synopsis. And so basically they what they did was build the first FBI profile of an unknown subject, this person that stole little Susie and another victim. And so they use this to try and figure things out. And I will leave it there because I definitely don't want to spoil anything. But if you like true crime, I think this sounds really good. I always like true crime that gives us the origin of something that like tells us how do we come about Mm -hmm. criminal profiling? Where did that come from? So this was the shadow man, an elusive psycho killer and the birth of FBI profiling by Ron Franchelle. Same. I also, I love FBI profiling type Mm -hmm. stories. So that sounds good. Yeah. And it was only 1973. So, I mean, again, I always kind of forget how new forensics is like not new, Mm -hmm. new, but like comparatively it's new. Right, exactly. Okay, mine is a very interesting title and and also a odd synopsis. <laughs> but stay with me. It's Reptile Memoirs by <laughs> okay. Celia Olstein. Uh-huh. Have you heard of this one? No. Okay. This is a a Norwegian debut and it's being compared or it's being called a brilliant, twisty, unusual literary thriller for fans of Gillian Flynn Kate Atkinson, and Tana French. Mm. So that had my attention. Uh, What this is about, you have Liv. She has lots of secrets. It's set in Western Norway. And one night, there's a party going on in the basement apartment she shares with two friends. She's watching TV high on marijuana. And she sees a python on an Australian nature show. She becomes obsessed with the idea of buying a snake as a pet. And soon the baby Burmese python becomes the apartment's fourth roommate. I know this Uh sounds so strange, but stay with me. (laughs) As she bonds with Nero, she feels extremely protective, like a caring mother. And she is struck by a desire that surprises her. Finally, she is safe. Cut to 13 years later in a nearby town. Someone named Miriam goes on a shopping trip with her 11-year-old daughter, and the daughter angers her, angers her mother, and Miriam storms off, leaving the daughter at the shop, expecting her to find her own way home. Oh, no. However, when she gets home, her husband is like... Daughter Where's didn't show kid? up. Where's the kid? <laughs> right. He begins to interrogate Miriam and instantly suspects her of doing something wrong. So you have missing kid case. You have characters that seem very off. And this is a story about a, sh- a shifting story about family secrets and the legacy of trauma. And that's Reptile Memoirs by Celia Olstein. Sounds super weird, but I like weird. So I know. It sounds very strange. It could it could be good and it couldn't not be, but I'll find out. I'll report back. Sounds good. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, 
just like our DNF episodes. You can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Okay. Yeah. I still may try that one. No. I would say don't. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>